0: One of Jesus's, maybe his favorite picture, his favorite metaphor has to do with light. He he used parables, you know this as we've been going through Luke, he uses parables that would, a story that would use something that we're familiar with, some kind of physical aspect of life to teach us the spiritual truth. When he taught a parable, the audience would look at that and they would, or they would listen to that. They would hear about the sower, they would hear about whatever the story is, and they go, I understand that, I, I get that, I've experienced that, and then he would use it to teach a spiritual lesson, a, a kingdom lesson. He did this with metaphors, with pictures, and I think his favorite is light. He loved to use light as a picture of truth. He uses light, the physical realm of light, to help us understand a spiritual truth. In fact, if you, if you think about it, you'll remember that our, our scriptures, the Bible begins in verse three, so it's right at the beginning of, of the word of God, God talking about light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now, you and I today in this creation, we experience light during the day and night, right? Right? The sun gives us light during the day as the earth rotates and spins, orbits around the sun, and as we're facing our part of the world, we get light. But then as we rotate around, we have this body, this thing called the moon orbiting us that reflects light and gives us a little bit of light even in the darkness. Who created light? God created light. Who gave us the light? God did. He didn't just create it, but he created it so that we would benefit from it. You see, light is good, and when Jesus comes and he walks on the earth one of the things that he does repeatedly is he talks about light and in his talking about light he really wants us to consider this what would life be like without light what would life be like in the dark what is life like for kurt pearson in the middle of the night when there's no light to warn him that there is an object on the floor as he's walking to the restroom without light what happens more often than not, pain happens because I don't see the obstacle. What would life be like in the dark? Or how would life change? Let's, let's make it current. What if all of a sudden we didn't have light? Now, right here where I'm at and maybe where you're at too, if the light stopped working, it would pretty much change everything. If the sun went out, if light went away that God's provided through the sun, what would life be like? Now, I know you scientists, well, we'd all die, and I get that, but what if we just had to live in the dark all the time? How would life change if we lived in the dark? In our text this morning, chapter 11, verse 33, Jesus is, is teaching, and he's teaching a crowd, and, he's, and he says this. He says, no one lights a lamp, turns on a light. Let's make it current. No one goes, you, you know, and here, I thought about this this week. It's really interesting to me. I don't walk into my house and say, hey, somebody turn on the incandescent bulb. Somebody make sure the halogen is working. I don't walk in and say, hey, can somebody please turn on the LED? What do we say? Turn on the light. It's it's become synonymous with this idea of having light to live. He says no one walks into a room, they couldn't do a switch. What they would do is they would take a lamp, make sure there was oil in it. They would light a flame that would burn the oil and it would give off light. No one does that. No one turns on A light switch, no one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar basement or puts a basket over it, but on a lampstand. Let me read that again. This is his picture, his metaphor. No one lights a lamp, no one turns on a light and then puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. Why? So that those who come in may see its light. Isn't that what we do when we walk into our house? You turn on the light so that you can see. When I walk into my garage, which is very dark, and I have a task in mind, I have something I'm going to do. The first thing I do, even in the daytime, is I turn on the light. Because I want to see. I want to be able to do what my task is. Your eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye is where light interacts with us and comes in and we, ex- we experience The benefits of light it comes through our eyes so when your eye is good when your eye is working your whole body is also full of light you have what you need you can live your life but when it's bad when your eye is bad when light is not penetrating or you don't recognize the light or you're not turning on okay i'll say it this way you're trying to do what you're trying to do in the dark how does that go usually badly Right? Usually ends up in pain or something broken. When, you're, when it's bad, you're not using your eyes to see the light, and there's not light available, and if it is, it's not penetrating, you're not doing with it what you should, then the result is your body is also full of darkness. You are living life in the dark. Take care, then, because this is true. Take care, then, that the light in you is not Darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, if it's working like it's supposed to, with no part of it in darkness, that is the light is is casting light on every aspect of life, it will be entirely illuminated, everything will be seen, the truth will be visible, just like when a lamp shines its light on you. See, in the middle of the night, if I just had a light switch that I could turn on before I moved from my bed, the the circumstances would be very different, wouldn't it? I wouldn't experience the pain that I experienced. Now, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to wake up my wife. But if I would just turn on the light, then I could avoid the problem. See, light is meant to entirely illuminate everything that we need to see. Now, let me give you some some principles. If you're a note taker, write these down. They'll be on the, the screen as well. These are things that I think we need to take from this. And then we need to take them and say, what does it look like to live these out? Here they are. First of all, light makes sight possible. It allows us to see the truth. It reveals the truth. Without light, I cannot see the truth. Now, I'm talking about the physical world, but Jesus is helping us to understand the spiritual world, isn't he? He's saying light, truth, makes sight, being able to see, understand reality. It reveals the truth. Number two, we see the light and what it reveals with these. See, there's, a, there, there's not, only, not only has God created light and it was good, but think about this. What if he didn't give us eyes? What, what sense would have light been to have light? See, they're in, they're, they're in conjunction perfectly. I'm going to create light. I'm going to give people light. Well, God, why are you creating light? Well, because I'm going to create these beings, and I'm going to give them eyeballs. What are eyes? Well, eyes are going to be these complicated, amazing things that I'm going to design and put two of them in the front of their heads, and they're going to be able to experience and interact with light, and light's going to come in, and light's going to go through those eyes, and it's going to go in, and then they're going to have this amazing thing called a brain, and they're going to process it, and they're going to be able to make decisions. They're going to choose how to live life based on what they see we do this every single second don't we every decision we make almost every decision we make is dictated by what we see if we lose our eyesight it changes everything or if our eyesight begins to go bad it changes now I look down at my notes and I hold on hold on let me make sure my eyes can see what's there oh that's right there we go and as they get worse and worse, we, we, we take steps to try to correct them because our eyes are what God has given us to interact with the light. It's important. Jesus makes this important. We see the light and what it reveals, what it tells us with our eyes. Number three, if our eyes don't work correctly, then light is worthless. And I've already touched on that. But that's a principle that Jesus gives us here. If your eyes aren't working correctly, it doesn't matter how much light you have you're blind there can be lots of light and you're still not going to see the truth there's a there's a spiritual uh, rabbit trail here I think that I just want to mention it might be that our eyes are seeing things but what our eyes are connected to our brain the inner person aren't working together and I say this as as a guy who um, is known for seeing the situation and the facts and making a bad decision and by bad decision I mean oh I can I can I can make that jump I can lift that I can avoid that. I won't hit that. That won't come. Some of you are giggling because, right? So the light is there and the eyes are seeing it, but there's a part behind that are going ah and kind of just minimizing what is being seen. And our eyes speaks of this whole interaction that we have. It comes in through the eyes and it begins to shape inside. And what we do with that, if our eyes don't work correctly, if we don't take the light and do what we're intended to do with it, then light becomes worthless. Doesn't accomplish the purpose God intends. And fourthly, without light, we're living in the dark. We're lost in the dark. I will. um, I won't tell all the details, but I will never forget a moment that I experienced with with my friend Don Hurth years and years and years ago. We were in a cave. We went to my family. And some of us went to a cave, and one of the, if you've ever been in a cave, you've probably experienced this. They take you down to a certain point, and then they say, okay, we're going to turn off the lights. You know what I'm talking about? If you have ever experienced that? And they turn off the lights, and you experience total darkness. Don't worry, Don. I'm not going to tell you the the part you're thinking of. But I remember putting my hand there, and, you know, and then I, because of me, I remember going, okay, where was everybody at? I'm trying to, hopefully nobody moved. And I want to. You know, I want to see if anybody can, you know, now it was dangerous because I could have really hurt somebody because we were standing in an area with railings. I could have knocked somebody over. But I just want, like, is it? Is it absolutely dark? And it was. I mean, I literally could not, you know, my eyes opened and closed. It didn't make any difference. And as I'm standing there, we're down in the earth. If they don't turn the lights back on, I will never get out of this hole. I'm completely lost. I mean, i I'm, uh, maybe, eventually. But at this moment, all I can think of is I'm completely lost in the dark. When light is not available, we're lost in the dark. And I really believe that's part of God's message. Part of what Jesus is trying to bring out in, the, in this moment is he's talking about light. He wants us to understand the importance of light. He wants us to understand how we're to react to it and interact with it, what its purpose is. And we have to come to terms with my dependency, our dependency on the light that God has provided. If we don't do that, the chances are really good that you're going to minimize or take for granted the light that you're given. I've interacted with a few people, one my father in the last couple of years, cataracts, and listening to people talk about the loss of sight. You know what happens? There's a greater appreciation for sight. As you're losing it, you realize how important it is. And that's where we have to start. See, if we don't have light, if we can't see, if our eyes aren't good, we're lost in the dark. Now, this is not the first time Jesus has used the light, even in the Gospel of Luke. We, we find it in chapter 8 as well. No one after lighting a lamp, this is what he said, what Luke records, Jesus' words, Luke chapter 8, verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed. But they put it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and come to light when the light is turned on. Therefore, take care. Listen to what the shift that he, because he's really not shifting. It feels like it, but he's still thinking of light. Take care how you listen. This is where it can be confusing. Take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has thinks he has will be taken from him. He's still talking about light. He's still talking about truth. He's saying, listen, don't miss this. Listen to what I'm saying. But if you don't appreciate light, if you don't act upon the light that you're given, he says, be careful because it may be taken away. Let me give you two more principles in this, this verse here, in these verses in chapter 8, he just finished talking about the, the sower and the seed and spreading the word of God. Here, here's what I want you to write down if you're, if you're writing things down. Darkness cannot stand up to the light. Darkness has no ability to push back against the light. Now, things can block the light. When I turn on the lights in my garage, because of all the stuff that's in there, there are dark places in my garage. Why? Why? Because there's things stacked up that are blocking the light getting to them. But that light, when it comes on, goes into every square inch of that, that open space. And there's no, it, right in the middle of, the, of my garage, there's not a big ball of darkness. Like, eh, you can't, no, I'm not going to go away because the light came on. It can't. You're in that cave and you turn on the flashlight, you light the match. That light pushes back the darkness. And this is important. The darkness is powerless against the light. It's powerless. It can't argue with the light. It can't try to convince the light to let it have more time. It it just gets it gets pushed out of the way. It can't stand up to the light. Darkness only exists when and where there is no life. Here's the other thought to write down light obeys its creator. I think this is significant we started in Genesis 3 God created light God also created and is truth when Jesus speaks of the light we know this he's talking about the truth it exposes reality truth light obeys its creator it operates by the by the laws by the principles that the creator established it to have you following me you know, light travels at a certain speed because God designed it that way. When I turn that light on in, the, in, in the, the garage, even the LED lights that operate, they operate by laws that God has created. And they emit this light, and those light rays, particles, whatever, I don't know, that, those frequencies, they zoom, they, they instant, 100 and whatever it is, 86,000 miles a second. They boom. And again, there's nothing that stands up. There's no darkness in any form that can stand up. To that light because light obeys its creator why do we care about that spirit and those who don't walk in the light that light will be taken away who's doing that the creator the savior those who respond to the light the truth that i give them i'll give them more those that are given the light and they don't respond they don't interact with it they reject it this is sobering isn't it Jesus says that light may be taken away, and you don't know when there's a window of opportunity for you to respond, for me to respond to truth. After a while, it no longer sounds like truth. It no longer is the light if I ignore it enough. So come back to chapter 11. Jesus is teaching these things. It says literally as he was speaking, he's talking about the light a Pharisee asked him, one in the, in the audience, we already knew this from before. There's Pharisees, there's there's scribes, there's these, these experts in the law, there's these spiritual religious leaders that are present in the crowd, they'd come from all over, and as he's speaking, one of them asked him, would you have lunch with me? Will you dine with me? He asked Jesus to dine with him. So he, Jesus, went in and he reclined at the table. He went into the area where they eat, and the custom was at that time that you reclined on your side, on the floor, they had the food there, he reclined at this table that was there. And when the Pharisees saw this, what did he see? That Jesus just came in and sat down at the table. When he saw this, he was amazed that Jesus did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. The picture here is, he the, hey, come to my house and have dinner. And Jesus says, sure. And so he comes in, and there's the, the, the meal. And Jesus goes over and sits down and reclines. Meanwhile, the guy's over. I forgot him on camera. Sorry. Meanwhile, he's over there doing the, the ceremonial washing that they did before meal and other moments, and he's just looking at Jesus. What? How is it that Jesus, this rabbi, that he doesn't perform the ritual washing before dinner? And as Jesus is reclined there at the table, he says to this Pharisee, now you Pharisees. Can you hear him? Oh, you Pharisees. Addressing the whole crowd, even though he's talking to this one Pharisee. Now you Pharisees, oh, you clean the outside of the cup. You're washing your hands. You're doing the ceremonial washing. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and evil. Fools, foolishness, you're living in the dark. Didn't he who made the outside make the inside too? Is he still talking about the cup and the dish? No, he's talking about This. He's talking about this Pharisee himself, people, the one who made the outside, made this, my flesh, my body, also made the inside too. Isn't that true? My soul, my spirit, my inner man. But give, and here he takes a jump, stay with him, give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. What he's saying is that, that the light is meant to penetrate inside. See, truth, spiritual truth there certainly addresses this. This is aging. The wages of sin is death. This body is, is, is aging. But the truth, God's word, is meant to come inside and clean, transform, redeem, renew, refresh inside my mind, my heart, my soul. He says, if you allow the light to come in there, if you allow the inside to be clean, and then you act, you give, you do these behaviors of washing, or in this case, serving others, meeting the needs of the poor, then everything else is going to take care of itself. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to focus on, On the inside, I want you to let the light penetrate. I want it to come through your eyes. Jesus is constantly saying, listen, listen, don't miss this. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. He wants the truth to penetrate our lives. The reality, this Pharisee, along with, according to Jesus, the other Pharisees, they're choosing to live in the dark. They have the truth. They have the light. It's been given to them. They're not responding to it. They're going about their business as usual, and they're living in the dark. Here's, we're, we're going to read now, the next few verses, we're going we're gonna to see Jesus really go after these guys. Now, let me set the table, well, he already has, why he goes into this, and it, and it is a tirade. It's like, this is the, man, you guys, you guys, you missed, you missed, you missed, you duh. I mean, he's going to get really, he's going to get, he's going to get in their face in a good way. The reason he does that is this context. We can't miss this. He's he's talking to this Pharisee. The Pharisee, the Pharisees, the scribes, the the experts in the law were the ones that God had entrusted with the light, with the truth, with this, with the Old Testament scriptures. The average person, many people couldn't read and they weren't educated. The Pharisees, the the scribes were the ones that translated and copied the word of God and interpreted and taught it to the people. The Pharisees set themselves up as those who knew the Old Testament and how it should be interpreted and how it should be laid out. Jesus is speaking to those who have been entrusted with the light, but they're hiding it. Why is Jesus so upset? Keep this in your thinking as we move through these verses. He is so upset because the ones that should be sharing the light, the ones that should understand the light... They study it, they read it, they interpret it. They should be sharing it with people, but instead they themselves are living in the dark and they're keeping everyone else in the dark. And it angers God. I don't know how else to say it. It angers God that when he gives truth to leaders, to those who then are to share it with the people and they don't even apply it themselves, so they're walking in the dark. They're going about their business, washing their hands and doing all these ceremonies. And, and, and when they do give to the poor, it's just so that they can be, you know, admired by other people. Everything is external. It's not penetrating inside. So what does it look like? What happens when we live in the dark? Look back to your, at your Bible, verse 42. Jesus begins his challenge of the, the leaders. He says, woe to you. It, and this word woe is something, something bad's coming. Something bad's coming. Just, I mean, he was telling you, you're, on the wrong, you're headed down the wrong path. You're headed for some some hurt. You're about to kick your toe into that fan. Much more serious than that. Woe to you means the path you're on is going to lead to some some destruction. Woe to you, Pharisees. You give a tenth of mint, rue. Rue was a spice for food used, and sometimes was used for medicinal reasons. But you have a you have a little uh, herb garden in your house, and you give a tenth of what that produces the mint, the rue, and every kind of herb. You and it's little amounts. Can you imagine? Mint, they're just coming to the, the temple, and here's my five leaves of mint, you know, because that's a tenth of what I got. He says, you're just, you're, you're zooming in on these little things. You want to make sure you do all these things, and yet you bypass justice and love for God. You don't care about those things. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. Here's the point. In the dark, here's what it looks like. We put religion before relationships. We put ritual before. Legalism, we put religion, the things that we do to be good with God, before a relationship with God, and you notice a relationship with others. You bypass justice, that's people, and you bypass love for God. You're all caught up in these little things, this is what it looks like to live in the dark. You put religion before relationship. Woe to you Pharisees, you love the front seat, in my world it's called shotgun. If you've got kids or whatever, you know. Shotgun, you love to be the one up front. In this case, it's because you want to be seen. Sharon Tanaka is a Pharisee. She loves to be in the front row. Just kidding. You love the front seat in the synagogues where everybody can see you, and you love greetings in the marketplace. The implication here is you don't just like to be acknowledged or seen. You like people to go, oh, Pastor Kurt. Oh, Pastor Kurt. Oh, you know, Pharisee or whatever the title was. They love for people to recognize their standing in the community. What does it look like to live in the dark? We use people to satisfy our own desires and wants, our own selfishness. We use people. We see people as a way to get what we want. I want to be recognized. I want to be important. I want people to know who I am. And I need other people to do it to make me experience that. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you. You're like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't even know it. Now, this one would have really hurt because one of the, the key things for, for, for the legalism of the day and for the, the, the life that they were, they were presenting was you can't come into any contact with, with death, with dead bodies. If you do, you're ceremonially unclean, and you have to go through all this process. And in the meanwhile, you can't participate in worship or any of the role that you would have as a scribe or a Pharisee, an expert in the law. And what Jesus says, he says, you are like an unmarked grave. That is, there's a dead body in the ground, and nobody knows it, and the people walk over them, don't even know it's there. So you, remember he said, on the inside, you're like rotting graves. You're, you're You're a grave. You're an unmarked grave is what you are. You think you're all this, and you're clean, and you're holy. The reality is you're an unmarked grave, and people are walking on you. They're becoming unclean as well just by coming in contact with you, and they don't even know it. You don't know that you're unclean, and you don't realize that people are being unclean just in their interaction with you. Now, you can change this phrase, but here's how I wrote it. This is what it looks like to live in the dark. We can't even smell our own stink. We don't even know that we're rotten inside. Can I get gross for a minute? Okay, good. You're not here to shake your head. So, You ever had a burp that you burp and you go, whoa, whoa? <laughs> Where did that come from? Okay. All the men are raising their hands. And I'll raise mine. Whoa. I didn't know that was going on inside my stomach. We lit life in the dark, these 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 Pharisees, these experts in the law, they're living in such a way that they don't even know they're rotten. They didn't recognize, he says you clean the outside, but you leave the inside filthy. And on another occasion he'll say that you're like rotting tombs. And what you think you're doing is not happening. In fact, you're 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 infecting everybody around you. You're spreading your uncleanness because you're unclean, you don't know it, and the people that are having contact with you don't realize it. In the dark, we can't even smell our own stink. Now, at this point, there's another person in the crowd, an expert in the law, a scribe, and it tells us, Luke says, one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, hold on, excuse me. You realize when you say these things, the things that you're saying, that you're insulting us to? I'm I'm an expert in the law. I'm a scribe. And you're t- I know you're talking to the Pharisees, but there's, there's people here in this, this meal at this, this place where, where the Pharisee is ha- offering him a meal. And one of them is this expert in the law. And he says, hey, you know you're offending us too? And Jesus goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to be politically incorrect. I, let, me, let, me, let me restate this. Oh, no, you see, you can't change the light. You can't change the truth. The truth is the truth. And he just, and notice, look at your Bible. He just goes on. He just continues. But now he includes. Thank you for acknowledging that you're here so I can include you. Woe also to the experts of the law. Let me talk about you. You load people down with burdens. You tell them these are all the rules, all the things you have to do. And you make it hard to carry. And yet you yourself don't touch burdens. You don't help people's burdens with even a little finger. You'll do nothing to help people carry the burdens that you are placing on them. Just for a moment, reflect. you remember Jesus said, come to me, everyone who is weary and you're heavy laden? You're, who's he talking about? He's talking about the people of this day. He had seen it. He had seen the Pharisees and the scribes and the experts in the laws and what they were telling people it meant to live in the light and follow, follow God. And he saw the burden that people were carrying and trying to meet all these expectations. And he said, if that's you, come to me because my burden is easy and I'm kind, and you'll find rest. These, these leaders that you have, the keepers of the light, the truth, they're, they're, they're breaking you. In fact, here's, here's the, the principle of living in the dark. We hurt people. We don't help them. We hurt them. We beat them down. We overburden them. When we take the truth, the light, and we make it what we want it to be, oh, do you see why Jesus is angry? He really is angry. He's had enough. He says, woe to you. This is going to end badly for you. I'll include you experts in the law because you're hurting people. Woe to you, all of you. You build monuments to the prophets. Your fathers killed the prophets, and you build monuments to these prophets. Therefore, you're witnesses that you, have, that you approve the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, the prophets, and you build their monuments. Because of this, because of this. Living in the dark, what you've done with my truth, the wisdom of God says this. Jesus says to that crowd and he says to us today, I will send prophets and apostles, and he has, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Are we in that generation? I suggest to you that we are. And the reason I say that is because everything that he just reflected on, we have that light. We know what's happened. We know about Abel. We know about Zechariah. We have God's light. We have his revelation. What Jesus is saying is, if you have this, I'm going to hold you accountable to it. I've given this to you, the written word, and here he is on earth. I'm the living word. I've given you everything you need. If you have this, I'm going to hold you accountable for it. I'm going to hold you accountable for it. In the dark, here's the principle if you want it. We can't see our own guilt and destruction. If we're in the dark, I c- in the dark, I can't see that lamp. I can't see if there's something else. You know, the other nemesis in my house is toys. I lo- I've always loved matchboxes and Hot Wheels. I love them. I have a giant pile of them. All my grandsons, granddaughters, they play with them. I love. Them. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more painful than stepping on an upside-down matchbox on the, in the soft part of your foot in the middle of the night. Living in the dark... We can't see our own destruction. We can't see our own guilt. We need the light to shine on our minds and hearts and say, you're guilty. You have the truth. Respond to it. Here's how he finishes. Here's how Jesus finishes this, this teaching. He says, woe to you experts in the law. Don't miss this. This is sobering. You have taken away the key of knowledge. I've given to man the ability to understand the truth and teach it to others. Some believe this is the law itself that he's referring to. It could be. Others say it's the Holy Spirit working pre and post Pentecost, that it's the Holy Spirit. Others say it's just just the whole system, the covenant, the Old Testament covenant that's been given to man so that we, we would know who God is and we know how to relate to him. And he says, you took that, you've taken away the key, you've kept people from having access to the truth, to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves and you hindered those who were going in. I've given it to you. And you've thrown it away. Living in the dark, we hide the light, and we keep others in darkness. There's a really strange thing that happens to people who live in the dark. They want others to live in the dark with them. We don't like to be alone in the dark. It's a terrible thing. It shows up in terrible ways. And here these leaders were hiding the light from those God had given to them, those God had given them to share it with so did this work you think there was an altar call jesus gets done and everyone oh we're, yeah okay what do we do look at your bible verse 53 he gets up he leaves the scribes the pharisees the crowd he was just talking to they begin to pose him fiercely they call a meeting and they begin to come together and they, they how can we cross-examine him about many things how can we trap him says they were lying in wait. From this moment on in his ministry, they're lying in wait for him so they can trap him in something he said. Because from this point on, their goal is, is, is singular. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to get rid of him. Let me close with this. So I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to invite John and Melissa, if you would begin to make your way up here, please. We're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to worship. But as they're coming, let me just throw these two thoughts out. The first one is this. Get your eyesight checked. Get your eyesight checked. You need glasses, get glasses. You need contacts, surgery, whatever. But spiritually, get your eyesight, your eyes checked. I'll admit to you, when I go to the doctor, and I go in frequently, but I, I, I have the last couple years I've gone because of things that have happened, And my doctor, it's the same routine every time. Mr. Pearson, you're this many years old, you're going to be this, you need to lose this amount of pounds, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. If you don't do this, it's going to happen, you know. I had the cancer on my nose. If you you don't wear a hat, you're going to. He tells me the truth. He casts light onto my current situation. How, How much of that do you think I take to heart? 90%? 50%? Am I getting close? 40, 30, 20, you can answer for yourself, I'll answer for myself, it's not as much as it should be, I find the truth and yet I don't do anything with it, get your eyes checked, check your eyesight, are you seeing Jesus clearly, are your eyes fixed on him, ask yourself this, what or who are you watching, who are you looking to, where is your source of truth, of light coming from? If it's not Jesus, it's not light, and it's not truth. I say that humbly and hopefully lovingly, but it's true. And Finally, the other challenge is this, and I want to talk to myself and to our leaders. Leaders especially, there's a weight that Jesus puts on us. If Jesus has called you to lead in his church, whether it's a teacher of a class, you're, you're teaching you know, on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, remember those days? or you're, you're, you're teaching by Zoom, or you're preaching up here, or you're somehow just, you've been called to lead by speaking God's truth into the lives of others and encouraging people from his word. He's entrusted you with the key to knowledge, to light. And he's going to hold you and I accountable for what we do with that. I do not want to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I gave you light, and you lived in the dark. And you hindered others from living in the light. Leaders, leaders of this church, of Crossroads Church, it it is on us. I lay this on us. As leaders, we need to get an eye exam to make sure that we see clearly the truth. And that's how we're leading other people into the light.